Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, to Gyro Nation Metal. As always, my name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. The Loud as Hell Festival is a three-day Canadian metal festival held in Drumheller, Alberta. I was inspired by my previous guests, Colin, Dave, and Marley of Hyperia, to start a countdown miniseries to the festival. From now until July 29th, all of the episodes will feature band members or other people directly involved with the fest. Today, I am joined by Timo vocalist and frontman Tim. Timo is a Canadian thrash metal band from Edmonton, Alberta, who just released their third full-length album, The Art of a Maniac, on February 5th of 2022. Timo will be playing on Saturday, July 30th at the Loudest Hell Fest. Tim, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Are you excited for the show? Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, we played last year, and it was a blast, and we're uh, very stoked to be coming back for the 10th anniversary this year. And this would have been your third uh, outing, except for that it was cancelled in 2020, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the lineup from 2020 carried over into 2021. Okay. Because, you know, COVID. <laughs> yeah, it seems that shadow is finally lifting a little bit, but who knows yeah. how much, right? Hopefully for good. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. What was your experience like last year playing? Oh, it was so amazing. That was our first show back since the pandemic. And uh, it was plus 40. The sun was scorching down. And uh, it just felt so good to like, hit that first note on stage, being pent up for the last two years. And um, the crowd really loved it. And we had a huge uh, gust of hot wind blowing up on stage. But uh, that was part of the whole experience. By the time we got off stage, we were ready to pass out. But no, this whole experience was amazing. That was one of the best weekends I've ever had in my life. Tell me a little bit more about the festival. Like, what's it like? Where do you guys stay? Um, did you end up staying the full three days? Yeah. Nice. It's uh, just, There's a campground right next to the stage or on the other side. And uh, everyone just kind of camps out and chills and... You, know, you can sit around a fire, have some beers, and um, just socialize with people, and then go listen to music, and then come back to the campground between intermissions, go back, listen to more music. It was just an all-around good time. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know a lot of uh, members in other Canadian bands as well, so it was kind of like a, a gathering of old friends. Yeah, exactly. It was like a giant camping trip with so many people, and it was well-organized. Uh, Jeff who runs it, he did a very good job. I mean, it was just, it was all around easy. You didn't really have to think too much. You just showed up backstage, set up your gear, and you, you get an hour to set up. And it was probably one of the most organized shows we've uh, we've ever played. That's really good to hear. Um, just about setting up, how long does it normally take you guys to set up? You said an hour, and to me, that seems like a lot of time. Uh, generally, I want to say 10 minutes. Okay. We try to have everything kind of pre-set up as much as we can, like certain cables plugged in. So all we have to do is just carry it on stage and just plug more in. Like our pedal boards, we just like to have that all set up. Just all, all we have to do is plug it into the power and just go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was nice. We had that extra time to really tune our guitars and make sure everything was 100% working, change batteries and wireless packs. and It was, it was nice, very relaxing. It's really good that they give you that amount of time. Do you guys notice a difference between um, 
like preparing for a show kind of outdoors versus in a in a venue? Um, it's pretty much about the same. Okay, you still have to find that like little area. Like this, luckily, it was a big. Um, I don't know what it was, like a big warehouse kind of setting. Every band had a lane that they could put their gear into. And you could just kind of all sit in that lane and just uh, set up um, indoor shows. A little more hectic. You have to like kind of get your guitar off to the side stage and uh, tune it, make sure it's all good, mm -hmm. and carry your amps on stage. So it really depends on the venue and the setup. Some it's easier. Some it's hit the ground running and hopefully everything works. <laughs> that probably has a lot to do with like the size of the venue as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this year, are you guys planning to stay the full three days? Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. We'll try to catch every single band. Are there any bands you're specifically looking forward to seeing? I always enjoy Hyperia. And we mentioned them earlier. Yep. They put on a hell of a show. I'd love to see them in an outdoor setting. Um, a lot of bands we really like are playing Rising Sun, uh, WMD. Um... I'm drawing a blank here. I have to look at the poster again, but I just remember looking at it and be like, well, there's so many good bands. Julie Ruin. Um, I'm going to try to catch all of them. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so um, as far as the camping goes, do you guys spend time in the tent or trailer? Um, I know Marley had mentioned that the day before the festival, she and they, they end up going to a hotel just to make sure that they're all clean and stuff for when they can play. Um, do you guys kind of follow the same suit or? No, we, uh, I think last year we brought our, uh, SUVs and I slept in the back of my SUV and yeah, it gets pretty greasy, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just bring dry shampoo or something if I get too greasy and loads of deodorant and cologne, that sweaty BO smell, but, um. For the most part, yeah, we just treat it like camping. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand. Like, I'd love to, if I saw a shower there, yeah, I'd jump at it. But <laughs> I try to prepare ahead of time just so I don't smell too bad. Uh, speaking of, like, festivals, you guys are also gearing up for another festival this year, but I can't remember for the life of me now off the top of my head. Like, later on this year, are you not? Or am I crazy? I don't think we have anything booked at the moment for a festival but i think there's more coming next year mm. we're um thinking about heading down to the states to play some festivals next year but that that's all kind of up in the air nothing official yet and is that mostly because of like covid restrictions and still people being kind of reluctant to book yeah, still kind of in unsure times but i'm seeing more and more bands starting to travel internationally again Hopefully this is it. Hopefully we can this continue on like we did in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that would be like a like a motto. Like there's that there's that song like party like it's 1999. It's like <laughs> yeah, 2019 is the new 1999. It's like oh dated 2019. I'm like oh good time. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially during 2020 and 2021. I'm like, oh, we had it so good. <laughs> I 
And I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but you said last year at the Loudest Hill Fest, it was your first time back on stage. What is the most exciting or what was the most exciting thing about getting back on stage and, and performing your art? Oh, definitely when we were playing that first song and um, Tyson Travnik, who was doing the sound at that show, always does an amazing job. And just knowing that we were so no so nervous because we thought we were going to be rusty. And then we get on stage and then we hit that first song and it was just so, it felt so good. And we could hear everything, everything was clear. Then one song just kind of sailed into the next and it was just good to see people moshing again and smiling and, you know, and this was in uh, daylight too. And this is actually first time ever we've ever played in daylight. So it was a beautiful day out and not a cloud in the sky. It was hot as hell, but eh, it was worth it. And then just kind of seeing the the dunes, the badlands in the background, it, it was a, just a cool experience. And there was actually a guy right next to the crowd who was spraying a hose onto people, nice, so they could cool off. So it turned into a bit of a mud pit, but yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> I hope they do that again this year. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I remember after we were done playing around that evening, like it was so bloody hot and. I forget what band we were watching. I think we were watching Dalmer's Realm. And uh, yeah, I just jumped right into that hose. I, I didn't care. Like, <laughs> down plus 40. I think the worst part about that nowadays is you have to worry about whether or not you have your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had just had mine in my pocket. I wasn't thinking about that. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few to... Just seems to happen at Loud as Hell. I seem to end up with beer somehow. And then another one and another one. But uh, we really try to pace ourselves because you don't want to drink too much that you can't perform. Do you feel like um, that there's a lot of pressure for you guys to make sure um, you guys do perform well, considering how many other bands are there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's nothing ever competitive. We're all a big family, but we definitely want to be at the top of our game and don't want to let anything like alcohol or anything like that affect the performance well for sure i mean people are going to see you guys right so if you don't play to what your standards are they're probably not going to be happy either yeah exactly you know like i want to put on a good show so we we pretty much like we'll arrive we'll maybe have a beer and then kind of settle in and then after we play then you can kind of just let loose and enjoy the rest of the bands and but until we get on stage it's yeah, we got to keep ourselves together and stick to business. Did you have to play uh, Hungover last year? No, no. Um, I don't know about the other guys. Everyone seemed in pretty good shape, but I um, we arrived the Friday night. I think we had a couple. It wasn't anything too crazy. I made sure to get a good night's sleep and uh, actually felt pretty good the next day because we played in the afternoon. So we kind of just got up, had breakfast, and then... Uh, Got backstage and then we just set up for the hour and just chilled, kind of watched bands from backstage and then got on there. It was a smooth experience. I'm not sure what time we are on this year, but um, we'll definitely do the same thing. Just the set is priority. Yeah. And do all the bands get the the same like length of set except for the headliners or how does that work? Because there's so many people. Mm, I think it varies. You know what? I'm actually 
not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure the headliners and the bands more further up on the bill probably get a longer set, like closer to 45 minutes. But you know what? That's one thing I never really paid attention to. So I know last year, I think we got 25 to 30 minutes, and which is all right. Like, luckily, our songs aren't too long, so you can fit quite a few in there. Like, I can imagine a band like Metallica or <laughs> bands with songs. Like, okay, we can play three songs. But, um, yeah, no, it was – all the sets seemed evenly distributed for the most part. It didn't feel like any bands were playing too long or too short. From your experience last year, did you notice a certain style of metal that was more prevalent or missing for that matter? I think we got a little bit of everything. Like we had Forsaken Right. They're like kind of like Viking folk metal. Um, then we had Illyrian, their thrash as well. And then there's us, thrash. Actually, it had a little bit of everything. Now that I'm thinking about it, of course, there was death metal, of course um power metal it had a little bit of everything they really uh have a lot of variety on their um lineups which is good mm -hmm. and do you find yourself normally drawn to thrash specifically or is that just some um well obviously because that's what kind of music you make but are there other uh, styles of metal that you find yourself drawn to as well i love thrash that was the one that got me into this um I'm starting to like death metal. I don't, I think when I first started listening, I didn't really understand it. Like I liked it, but it didn't really hook me. But now it's just at a point I'm starting to really appreciate it. I'm starting to explore like bands like Half and um, starting to explore Cannibal Corpse a little more. <laughs> um, yeah, right now, death metal and thrash metal and power metal. I like power metal as well. Ever been a big symphonic guy, or, but maybe someday. Well, I mean, you, you look at power metal and death metal, and they're quite different. So symphonic metal is not too far of a shout. I think as long as the guitar is good. that's like If it has good guitar, I'm like, okay, I'm interested. That's fair. Speaking of Edmonton, I know we talked before the show a little bit here, but you said you grew up in Edmonton uh, your whole life, pretty much. So what's the thrash metal scene like there? So... It's growing. Um, we're starting to discover a lot of really cool thrash bands. Um, I figure like Calgary has more of a thrash scene. Like you guys got a WMD, you got Hazard, and um, up here we uh, there's us and there's another awesome thrash band called Rising Sun. Amazing. Uh, but I haven't seen too many pop out of the woodworks, but um, I'm sure we'll see more at some point. There might be some I just don't know about yet, but we're keeping our eyes open. I'm just trying to look up here. Um, I lost my window, but I'm just trying to see if Rising Sun is playing this year or not. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, they 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 definitely are. I'm excited to see like everybody. I I looked at the bill and basically. When I was chatting with uh, Colin, Dave, and Marley, they just asked if I was going, and I was like, you know what? I should try to get the time off. So, yeah, I'll try. And I put in for time off, and it was granted, which is nice because it's in the summer. Uh, normally, it's harder to get time off for me during that time. But uh, then I couldn't figure out anybody to go with because most of my friends aren't into as extreme metal as I am. So... <laughs> 
I said, fuck it, I'm not missing this. Um, I decided to rent like a one person trailer for the weekend and hopefully, you can <laughs> hopefully it works party. out well. <laughs> Once again, everyone is so friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do travel alone, they're like, you know, we'll be there, Hyperio will be there. Like, it's, you never have to worry about being alone for the whole weekend. Like, there's, everyone's there to have a good time. I think my biggest concern at this point is just finding my way back to the trailer at the end of the night. Yeah, that that was actually challenging at some point, especially when you've had a little bit and it, it, it gets dark out there. You think you're walking down a path that your trailer is there. And it's like, no, no, it was on this side. And then it's not there. And Luckily, that was the beauty of the SUV. I didn't have a trailer or tent. Yeah. So I kind of was like, ah, I just looked for the roof racks on the SUV. Ah, there it is. <laughs> that, was my, that was my point. But uh, I'll probably do the same thing this year. We'll see what happens. Did you find it comfortable sleeping in the SUV? Nah, it's all right. Not bad for a few yeah, days. A bit of a mattress in there and slept with the windows open. The bugs kind of sucked. Totally. Maybe I should just spend a tent. <laughs> <laughs> Damn bug. And so you've been a fan of thrash metal for quite some time, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh I'll start with the obvious one. Like, of course, when I discovered Master of Puppets, I think that was a lot of our, our gateway. I loved that album to death. And then, um, then of course, from there, I discovered Megadeth. Bought Rust in Peace from a flea market. And I was like, holy sh-. I can swear on here, hey? Yeah, whatever you want, man. Holy shit. That's the worst <laughs> thing I'm going to do. Yeah, from there, like I had to discover the rest of Megadeth's catalog, and then I got into Slayer, and then and then discovered bands like Creator and Sodom, and Nuclear Assault, and like, okay, yeah, there's there's something going on here. I like this. I'm seeing a trend. So, what is it about Thrash that draws you to it specifically? Mm, I think the start it was the guitar, yeah, the fast guitar, and the solos. Like, I just knew as soon as I heard that, I wanted to play like that. Like, I thought it was, like, inhuman. Like, I'm trying to think back to the time, like, first time I even heard Master of Puppets. So it's just like, how, or is this possible? How could I ever play that fast? And, of course, you know, you push and then you learn that. You think you have it all and then you hear Rust in Peace. And you're like, oh, God, am I going to play like that? Even to this day, that one's still a challenge. That one requires a lot of attention. And then you hear Slayer raining blood. And, I'm going to play that fast. <laughs> uh, but that's good. That's how you grow as a musician. It seemed like back in those days, um, artists were kind of focused on who could play the, the most aggressive and the fastest. Do you, do you find that's still something that exists in Thrash today? Oh, yeah. Like I definitely think speed is important and thrashed and uh we're stri- still trying to push our boundaries to see how fast we can play before we can't uh yeah as long as as long as the song is good i find like sometimes if you find the tempo kills it and it kills the vibe of the song then yeah you gotta slow it down but for the most part yeah we try to push it as far as we can until we're like okay yeah that's too far well, and you're also playing the guitar and singing, for lack of better terms. Uh, do you find that difficult, playing so fast and so intensely? Oh, yeah. Um, there's some songs that come easier than others, and then there's others that just you really have to think. And I'll be honest, on this newest album, there there's a couple. I'm just still like, eh. 
I got to hunker down. Am I having a good day today or am I having a bad day? And some days I nail it. Some days it's like, well, so much for that. Hopefully the other guitarist, Nick, covers up my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just really try to like sit on the couch and, and I sing it quietly to myself, unplugged, just so I can hear really what's going on. Because sometimes the picking pattern doesn't match the uh, vocal pattern mm. and it can it can really throw you off. But at over time, muscle memory, you get used to it. It's weird. When it comes to, uh, like you were saying, the picking doesn't necessarily match the vocals. Like what goes into um, meshing those two together for you? Usually I'll start by learning the song instrumentally first and playing that as much as I can until I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Just look away. And then you slowly start introducing the vocals and it's like, you kind of have to zone out. You can't focus too much on the guitar or the vocals. You kind of just have to let it be one. And I find uh, metronomes or drums, like I find that's always very important. I always need a foundation. So I'll be honest. I'm one of those guitarists. I, I can't strum. There's a, I can't sit there with an acoustic and sing like certain songs I can, but, you know what? I actually never really tried. No, I think about it. But um, yeah, I'm finding with these songs, yes, like with the beat there and everyone, like everything there, uh, it really helps. Kind of stumbled over my words there for a second, trying to figure out what I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, that happens to me all the time, and I wouldn't worry about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, listening to the, through your records and stuff, I noticed that there's um, there's definitely like a rhyming. Uh, rhythm to your, your to your vocals but the the lyrics don't always rhyme if that makes sense is that something that was a conscious choice um not really kind of just happens like you start writing it and you just figure out what flows like we um sometimes you can get caught in a trap or you feel like you have to rhyme every second line which is fine it makes it flow sooner but sometimes i like try to break the mold and get out of that rhythm like war beneath the skull for example i really tried to uh avoid that especially in the chorus verses and then songs like mars attacks it's like yes it has to that's a rhyming song mm -hmm. you can kind of tell by the riff usually if it's going to be a rhyming song or just something you just sing whatever's on your mind and what word comes after the next and is you, what it is do you think that there's like uh something to i guess rhyming that um lends itself well to the cadence of thrash metal versus like say doom or death metal or black metal where they don't necessarily have to rhyme or even have a chorus uh, you can i think you can do it anywhere it's just a matter of where it if the song calls for it mm -hmm. if we were doing black metal or death metal i definitely try it and experiment but i think as long as it has a rhythm it's all it's all about syllables, I find. If you can fit it in nicely, then then you're golden. <laughs> and so for you, would it be the overall sound of like um, the line or two rather than necessarily the last word or the last couple syllables? Yeah, even if you can find a similar word at the end that just fits, it doesn't necessarily have to rhyme or anything, but it just sits nice. And yeah, anything goes. We don't really follow up full-on formula we kind of just start writing drafts and then we'll see what we have to change from that first draft and just tweak it from there until it fits nicely mm -hmm. and then jumping back to the beginning here uh Taimo 
if I remember correctly, uh, started kind of as a one man project. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm always afraid. Like I, I think like, Oh, they're going to think I'm an egomaniac with my last name is my band. And, uh, what happened was, uh, I was playing in a progressive rock band and we, we broke up and I, I immediately wanted to keep going and start a music project. I thought I lost something there. So I wrote a bunch of songs myself and uh, recorded a little album. And uh, and Nick Schwartz contacted me and said he was interested in playing guitar live for this album. So he joined in and then I had a couple of hired musicians. We played our first show and then Harlan joined and then Mark joined. And the more we played, we decided we were way heavier and they can tell I wanted to play metal, but I just thought I didn't have the capability as a band when I started. So we started writing songs together and it quickly developed into thrash metal and uh, people already knew our name within the scene. So we're like, okay, well, we shouldn't change it now because starting from scratch again. And yeah, that's how that all developed. Did you guys um, decide specifically on thrash or is that just something that naturally like manifested itself for you guys? It naturally manifested itself. We all had a, a thrash influence. And um, we were covering like Slayer and Megadeth, a lot of Megadeth, mm -hmm. like we like our mutual band. And I think that just rubbed off on the new material. And it, someone, uh, a promoter, uh, Kara Ashby, she approached us and was like, uh, guys, face it, you're a metal band. Like, you know, like I know you're, you're playing rock right now, but I can just tell like your heart breathes metal. And she just kind of sold us on it. Like, just be yourself. I think I thought going in, I wasn't really in the metal scene yet. I thought like, oh, we have to play rock. And no, that wasn't us. So we uh, we got heavier, we got faster, we worked on our craft and just learned a bunch of thrash metal songs. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> and then, so being the sole founding member of the group, do you have a specific view or vision like regarding the sound of the band? And if so, how do you influence the direction of the other members? I um I try to keep it fair. I feel like we all have a mutual like vision and um anything goes. We kind of I'm just letting it evolve naturally. Like with this album figure like okay, yeah, that felt very good. That worked. Let's build upon this, you know, like I try not to think like oh, let's completely change our sound. We don't want to become predictable. I try to keep it so it's like like we're just continuing off of that album. I got a feeling from here it's going to get more technical. Just from some of the new stuff we're working on, it's there's a lot more going on. There's more tempo changes, mm -hmm. more time changes. Like so, I kind of see it like Art of a Maniac, but maybe more twists and turns, and even pushing the envelope a little forward as far as our music musicianship. And is that something that you're actively looking to change or is it something that kind of, again, like a natural progression? Because I know you said in other interviews that um, that like the art of the maniac builds off of and, and makes better than your previous albums. Natural progression. Mm -hmm. Like it's you just want to push yourself. You want to grow as musicians. You always want to outdo the last one. And um, I'm definitely feeling this like working on these few new songs that we have that it's just going to continue to grow in that direction 
10 years down the road, I have no idea. For all I know, we could <laughs> evolve into a pop band. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll to get to that point. But, um, but yeah, as far as, as of right now, yeah, it's just going to get heavier and faster. And I don't think we've gotten everything out yet. So, like, I, I love that how Art of a Maniac's been received, but I just feel like it's there's still so much more that we have left to dump into our record. In what way? So there's no ideas, <laughs> especially after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So you spent a lot of time actually sitting on some of these songs during the pandemic, am I right? Yeah, it was driving us nuts. Like, okay, we're done, we're ready to go. Uh, and it was all written prior to the pandemic. Like we entered the studio in early March of uh, 2020, mm -hmm. got the drums done and then everything shut down. And then we had to wait till May until restrictions lifted a little bit. And we got the rest done and then everything shut down again. It's like, okay, well, we might as well wait till shows are back. And that was we were going to release it end of 2021 and things got crazy again. And then we finally just like, ah, 2022 early. Let's just get this out, see what happens. And luckily, it looks, it's looking like we're learning to live with the virus. I don't think anyone really knows what's going on anymore, but. Now moving forward, if you were to have written The Art of the Maniac during the pandemic, do you think that the record would have changed compared to what it is now? That's a really good question. I think for the most part, there might have been a couple of different songs on it for sure. There'd definitely be something about how pissed off we were about this virus. <laughs> and then. Yeah, a lot was going on during that pandemic. A lot of riots. Um, I think it still would have had the same aggression for sure. If not, maybe even more. Because we were all so pent up. Um, but overall, I think it would still be the same record. That's really hard to say because we were playing a lot of shows while writing that album. And I think that was a big influence on it. So having that, but changing it to just sitting in a living room and writing. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> well, I mean, on one hand, you're taking the aggression and the momentum from previous shows and touring and, and, and being there with fans. Now you're trying to be aggressive equally as um, forceful sitting in your living room, not being able to be around anyone. Yeah. Like third of maniac right now, I feel like that was kind of a more of a, an excitement, aggressive, like in, inspired aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, pandemic that'd be more just like of a full-on frustrated hard to say we'll see but maybe some of that will uh rub off on the next one but yeah i should have written a little more i didn't write much during the pandemic i kind of was just waiting for this one to get out and uh, and then kind of have that chapter kind of close and then start on the next one but we've been so inspired by the positive feedback that art of a maniac's receiving that we've already just started writing like okay yeah let's do this like it's we have a few things happening behind the scenes right now it's a slow process but uh we might have a big announcement coming up uh hopefully in the next month or so and that's really inspiring us to really push more music new music consistently mm -hmm. hopefully we'll reveal that soon i sadly have to keep my lips tied at the moment no that's totally fine um, 
you've talked about in previous interviews, um, kind of being critical of yourself, looking at other bands um, with like a friendly comparison, like, hey, these guys are doing great. I need to step up my game. Um, I know we touched on it earlier that it, it wasn't really a competition between bands, but in a way I, that I, th- I think it is. And I guess my question here is, for you, what's beneficial about that friendly competition or rivalry? Find a, like an angry rivalry. That's just ugly. Like no one wants that. It's, uh, it's just a lot of negativity. I think you end up hurting yourself more in the end than um, benefiting yourself. But then there's the uh, inspir- inspiration kind of, I wouldn't really call it competition, just like kind of seeing other bands play and be like, holy crap, yeah, I got to step up my game. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that you can always be better. And then when you push yourself in that direction, you kind of may discover something new about yourself, discover a new sound about yourself. I think that's very important, no matter how old a band you are. Like you can always push new boundaries and never, ever think you're physically limited. Like a lot of bands, like musicians say, I'll never be able to play like that. And I just, I've been saying that to myself for my whole life. I still do. It's like, oh, let's give it a try. You know, like 10 minutes a day even will make a huge difference. So I, yeah, I think it's very important to kind of always have that attitude because after we saw Hazard play and WMD plays, like, holy crap, okay, these guys are on fire. We just released our uh, previous album, Purge and Reset, and we thought like, oh, yeah, that's so good. We're so proud of this. And then we see those guys like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) We got to step up our game and – um. But no, no, it's never ever like a feud rivalry here ever. It's like I actually find it exciting. It's inspiring. It's like holy crap! Like, like just seeing those guys play, it's it blows my mind. And specifically about those two groups, like, what was it about their music that you looked back at yours and said, "Hey, this isn't good enough"? Oh, the aggressiveness, the energy, the speed, the guitar playing, of course. You know, I just see their their solos and their guitar playing. I'm like, okay, yeah, I gotta I gotta step up. I gotta make it more interesting. And um, but it was like an excitement though. It wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna step up. It was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm inspired now. Yeah. Like I, like I really like what's going on here. Calgary has something beautiful going on here in their music scene. And um, yeah, no, it's exciting, and I'm hoping. This year at Loud as Hell, we feel that way again, and I'm sure we will. Like I always, every time I see a band perform live, it always bring. I always come home with ideas, just like not stealing or ripping off, of course, but just inspiration. <laughs> I think metal's one big pool of inspiration. Like if you talk about um, the influences of the music, how many different genres there are. The um, each musician and each band each has their own individual influences that they bring into the group and that changes each group for better or yeah. worse. But I think like, yeah, I don't see a lot of like legitimate rivalries. I don't, I, I don't see a lot of animosity between the bands, but I'm also an outsider. I'm just somebody who enjoys the music. I'm not part of a band. So I don't know if it's any different from your perspective. I'm sure it can happen. I, I don't see it too much within our scenes, but um, I know over the history of metal, yeah, there's definitely been some feuds and rivalries, but I, my opinion, I think that's just counterproductive. Totally. 
especially when you're all in there to enjoy the same music and the same bands. It's like, fuck off. Let's enjoy this. You're just going to ruin yourself in the end. Like sometimes that may inspire good music, but I think other times you're just beating yourself up for no reason. Well, and if you start to like, if you start to feud with a band legitimately, I mean, you're not doing anything. You're not doing yourself any service. You're not getting better. You're not looking at yourself critically. You're not trying to build on what you've had before. And how can it be healthy if we, you might you might even be playing the same same show together, right? Yeah, and then you know their fans hate you, and your fans hate them, and eh. yeah, no, I just try to stay away. And if we ever do run into a situation where another band doesn't like us or their fans don't like us, we'll just keep doing our thing and not really give into it. I'm saying like, hey, you're entitled to an opinion. That's that's fine. Not everyone has to love us. <laughs> well, I mean, that's for them to choose. It's uh, art, art, music. It's all completely subjective. So as long as you're doing what you want to do, you're going to have the people that buy into it for what it's worth, right? Exactly. No, just as long as we can uh, get on stage, write and record and do our thing, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I, you know I, I don't even really care if we make a living off of it, if I have to. <laughs> work a shitty day day job for the rest of my life, but I can still get off of that day job and do this. I'm happy. It's a different outlet too. It's like stress release. It's also performing. It's, it's crafting your art, but at the same time, it gets you away from the day-to-day monotony of the bullshit or mm-hmm. whatever you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Like I have to say, this is the one thing right now that's like keeping me feeling young. Like gives me energy, gives me focus. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have no idea. I was thinking about even just before this interview, like if I didn't have music, I don't know what life would be like. It's really interesting thought. It's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, coming from somebody who just listens, I can understand the void for sure. Like I'm almost constantly listening to music and it would be a huge void in my life. Now, from the opposite side of things, somebody who's been performing, who's been learning the instruments, the vocals, everything, like I can just imagine that being so much worse, especially when that's something that they really enjoy doing. It's not only a hobby, it's it's a passion. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a way to get yourself, like emotions and expressions out. Hmm. Like, yeah, then an outlet. Like, it, I don't know how else you would do that, whether you play sports or something, but I just find with music, you're getting certain words out. You're getting, instead of going on a rant on, facebook or something or on a facebook status you're uh you're getting it out in your songs like i always feel like a great deal of relief after i write a song i'm like okay i got that out (laughs) so then would you say like uh a fair amount of your music is is dealing with like personal experience then or is it just topics that you kind of feel are important it's topics that feel important anything that feels inspiring Mm -hmm. we'll write about it I was going to say Mars Attacks probably isn't one of those things. It's just a cool movie, but maybe, yeah, Nick, <laughs> maybe that uh, is important. Nick for that one, um, he was inspired by the the comic books. I guess there's a whole comic book series of Mars Attacks, and then of course there's the the movie with Jack Nicholson. Um, yeah, he was right. He was talking about that for a long time, writing a song about Mars Attacks, and I presented him the the main riff and then he had a riff and we just built upon it and then in one sitting he wrote the lyrics <laughs> and, and it just fit it was one of those songs that just came together just 
so easily. It was weird. Are there any songs specifically that you like performing or that you think kind of work better on stage? Mars Attacks, for sure. Um, War Beneath the Skull, that one's always a favorite to play. Age of Deception, I like. Um, Estra Genocide, that one is probably the hardest one. I love playing it, but that's one of those songs. I don't know about the other guys, but at least for me, I, I know for sure I have to think so much during that one. But it feels good when I nail it, but sometimes it's like, ugh. And, um, yeah, there's actually not a song I dislike playing. There's a few on the last one. I'm like, yeah, I feel like they don't translate as well live. Like Above This Storm, I feel like that one never really worked live. Hmm. But that was also a different style for us, too. It was kind of more groove, but... Never say never. If someone wants to hear it, we'll we'll play it. And a question I had earlier, but I completely forgot to ask. And uh, forgive me if I missed this, but you guys don't really have any like ballads or anything like that so far. It's like mostly fast and aggressive stuff, right? Pretty much. Um, never say never. Like when I started this project, I wrote a few ballads myself, but we tried playing them. But another thing that just didn't translate as well live. Mm -hmm. But uh. Who knows? Maybe on this next one, we'll find a riff that we like and we'll have a ballad, but it, it just, we have to like it. That's the thing. We don't want to just write a ballad to have a ballad. I'm trying, I'm kind of envisioning something like Cemetery Gates okay, or Children of the Damned, but I don't want to get too stuck in that. Like, oh, we got to write something that sounds like this. It kind of has to happen naturally, but may play around with some clean riffs and see what happens. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with experimentation. Yeah, just to have something different. I know we already mentioned this before, but The Art of a Maniac was released in February of this year. Uh, for the artwork, you commissioned Andrei Buzikov. And for those listening who aren't aware of what he's done in the past, he's uh, done a lot of work with other thrash bands. So as mentioned before, Hyperia, uh, Harlot, Biocancer, Hazard, Municipal Waste, and Nervosa are a few of them. Um, is there something that about his art that lends itself well to thrash metal specifically? Absolutely. Like just his overall style, like it just presents itself. Like you see the artwork and you're like, I, I want to listen to that. You may know nothing about the band. And I, I feel like that's very important. Like first impressions are very, very important. Mm -hmm. Kind of brings you back to the day of walking into a record store or HMV or something and just seeing the album art, like, what is this? And uh, we just knew we wanted that quality of work. And he's really good at doing kind of that, like, toony thrash metal work, like from the 80s, that kind of style, like Ed Repka does. And um, we wanted something like that. And we were looking for thrash metal isn't really a, a genre of music where uh, the artwork has to be too serious. Like if you look at death metal or black metal, it's got like this over overarching doom and gloom, like often violent, like covers very, very serious yeah. art. Whereas thrash metal, you're like, this is more for a good time. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's another thing we're kind of, we don't want to get stuck in like the realm of like, we're a serious thrash band or we're a, pizza thrash band like a funny thrash band like anything goes yeah all around all four of us were pretty humorous a lot of dad humor and <laughs> some of the jokes we come up with at rehearsals it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> never repeat these to anyone <laughs> i think there's gonna be more of it creeping into our 
upcoming album or newer music we're already <clears throat> barking out song titles to each other and it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i think people will love it i hope so anyway <laughs> man if you guys love it that means there, there's going to be some people that love it at least well, i'm just thinking like of it in my head and i'm just laughing right now i think i'm not sure the other guys got might get mad if i reveal some of it right now i might have to leave it as a surprise but there's some of them it's like oh that's perfect <laughs> you gotta write a song about that do you think you guys will be playing any uh, brand new songs live for the first time at Loud as Hell? No, not quite yet. We don't really have anything concrete right now. It's just ideas and drafts at this point. But maybe while we're promoting our The Maniac down the road, yeah, one might creep in. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. But mainly for the set this year, it definitely will be a lot of Art of Maniac. And we definitely want to include some Purge and Reset as well. Mm -hmm. Like last year, it was that dynamic between those two albums, but we want to change the setup this year and play some songs we didn't play last year. Actually, speaking of Purge and Reset, uh, in a previous interview, you mentioned that uh, like finding one's own voice and that you're most proud of your vocals on this release. Um, for you, like what changed? What did you want to remain consistent from your sounds? And how did you pick? Um, sorry, how did you look back and become critical of yourself? I know that's three questions, but... Mm. You definitely want to keep the aggressiveness and the excitement going forward. Vocally, it's becoming an evolution, I find. I've been, I find like covering other songs definitely helped, like trying some different vocal styles. And this one, I kind of found like a, I don't know, kind of a mix of a screech kind of singing it's not full-on screaming there's still a little bit of uh clean singing in there but it's like mixed together i think i want to keep that going forward um it's starting to feel more comfortable before i wouldn't know how to sing a song and now it's like have more of an idea of how to approach it mm -hmm. because during the writing of the song i was experimenting with falsetto vocal styles power metal vocal styles and i just found just the full-on yelling just screaming slash screeching aggression just really fit the music and do you have like different um influences when it comes to your vocals versus your guitar and how do you mesh them together whoa you know i've always liked uh i'll be honest i've always liked dave mustaine as a vocalist and of course uh james hetfield bruce dickinson he's a little out of my range but i, I try <laughs> and uh i'll be honest i know this isn't a popular name right now but uh marilyn manson very early marilyn manson like 1995 marilyn manson mm -hmm. was always a vocal influence for me he had quite a yell back then i found that with his music it was like it was for me far more effective when he was like legitimately angry and when his music kind of went down the sad depressed route is kind of when he lost me yeah yeah and that same i have the exact same opinion like i find when he released Portrait of an American Family and I watched live shows from that tour, his vocal performance, like he had such a yell and a shriek. And that was always a big influence, like trying to bring some of that. And, um, and then, of course, you know, discovering more thrash metal bands like Paul Bailoff. Mm -hmm. You know, he has kind of that shriek and it's trying to mix those all together and see what we get. And uh, 
feel like those are always a big influence. I'm just always trying to make sure I'm doing it right, like really pushing from the diaphragm and not straining the throat too much because mm-hmm. it is so easy to damage your vocal cords when you're singing like that. <laughs> so have you taken any formal training or is that just something you're learning as you go? A little bit. Nothing like really like specific. Like I've um, I've gotten a few lessons here and there from people who are technically trained, like opera singers and stuff. Just but just kind of more working on technique and stuff and warm ups and um, but their vocal style is so different than mine, so we may have been missing a few things because they they sing cleanly and I'm kind of more guttural and screechy. But I just try to use, like, especially with opera, you don't use a microphone in opera. So you, there's definitely a lot of power coming from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, well, it can't be too different. So I just kind of use their vocal warm-ups. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it seems to be working. Haven't damaged anything yet, knock on wood. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> especially before all your tours and your uh, shows coming up. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's just taking care of it, stay healthy, have a healthy diet, drink warm water, mints, those always work really good. Nice. Um, as far as people looking for your guys' music, where is the best place for them to find it for you? You can, of course, find it on uh, Spotify and um, all the digital streaming platforms. Uh, our main store is on our Bandcamp, which, uh, easy enough, you can reach it through our uh, website, which is uh, www.timo.ca. Then if you go to store, it just redirects you to our Bandcamp. We didn't need anything big and fancy. <laughs> Bandcamp just works. And you can get our CDs, you can get T-shirts, you can get patches. And we have some more merch coming down the line. We're just, uh, luckily, sadly, everything's been so delayed in the world with shipping lately. But we should have new patches coming out, pins, and uh, and more uh, audio formats for Art of a Maniac and possibly Virgin Reset. Hint, hint, vinyl. Awesome. Well, Tim, I appreciate you spending this time with me today. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys play at Loud as Hell. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. I, I look forward to meeting you. Have some beer and uh, watch some bands. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.